Hello, everybody, and welcome to This is the Pits. Um, today, we are talking about the movie Ad Astra, and we have a very special guest here to talk about Ad Astra with us. Um, wait, wait, wait. What? Br- wait, wait, wait. Brad Astra. Oh, sorry. Well, Brad Astra. It's, let's just get that out of the way now. It's called Ad Astra, but we're going to say Brad Astra a lot. It's just so, it's right there. Um, our guest today is H.P. Mendoza, and he is a director, he is a writer, he's a composer, producer, I mean, you name it. He's got three features out. Um, one of them I produced, it's called Bitter Melon, it's the latest one, it's out on DVD, special edition just came out. Um, he's also produced a spooky horror film called I Am a Ghost, very relevant because it's October right now. Go watch both of those movies and check out all of HP's work because it's amazing, and we're so happy to have you here, HP. Thanks for having me. Welcome, HP. Um, Thank you. The whole uh, time I'm like nodding, thinking that like you know that's gonna make that's gonna translate into a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, just know that I'm I'm in agreement with everything you just said. <laughs> now you've called it out. We're all imagining you nodding your head. Yes. So. <laughs> Does work nonstop. HP, can I ask you a question? What is your general vibe, feeling, emotional response to Brad Pitt? Uh, my um, not even in relation to this oh. movie, just overall. Just overall, yeah. Um, yeah. This is a good year. This is a good time to ask me that because I kind of feel like he was one of those people that was like so ubiquitous that I didn't really have an opinion about him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and okay, and this is where I'm going to get maybe slightly controversial. I kind of always thought that he was never really that good of an actor, you know, um, because every time I would see no, him, I think this is a general vibe. I think this is. I think we kind of felt the same way when we started this. Now we've yeah. come to know that I he's, don't think that's that controversial. That's. The, I think that's the general feeling about Brad. Yeah, maybe controversial amongst my Brad-loving friends then, I guess, right? Like, people would be <laughs> yeah, like, true. oh, wasn't he amazing in Interview with a Vampire? And, like, the funny thing is, like, me and my friends do, and we do a pretty dead-on impersonation of Brad Pitt in Interview with a Vampire because he just, he sounds like a young guy trying to sound older and British at the same time in a French film. Oh, my that God. That was a dark yes. period for him. That was a dark period for him. Right? He was kind of like Keanu, too. Like, he just kind of, like... He spoke lower than he really could, so he couldn't sound as old as he thought he was. Yeah, yeah. it was very weird. And he didn't want to make that movie either. He wanted out so badly. So that's. And he was still young in his career. He hadn't crafted his craft. He hadn't honed his skills. Yeah, and I think for me, um, at my kindest during those years, I was like, ah, oh, there, there he is trying to play old again. He's like in dad mm-hmm. drag or whatever, right? <laughs> like playing, playing <laughs> yeah. grown up. Um, but whenever he was in a role where he could kind of just sound like himself, like when he played Floyd in True Romance, I'm like, uh, there, right. there, there's where you shine, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And, and, okay, so another thing, and this is kind of strange, I think things started to change for me when I saw 12 Monkeys. Because I was like, oh, look, he's allowing himself to, you know, not be Brad Pitt, you know? He, mm-hmm. He's using his natural pitch for his voice, so he's not trying to sound all old. Um... I thought he was good. He was a little over the top, so it felt very, like, ticky and actorly, but it was still, you know, I still thought it was a fun performance. And I think at that point I was like, okay, so he wants to be taken seriously. So um, I still don't know if I can because he still seems like a little boy to me at the time, you know. And as time went on, now here's the thing. I think when I thought, when I personally thought he started feeling like a good actor was when he started showing his age. So when I saw Tree of Life, I... Mm. 
I, I may not have thought that the movie was completely successful for me personally, because um, mm-hmm. I'm an atheist. But um, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I believe that you are a, a tortured, abusive dad. You know? Because, you know, the, the movie lingers on, on his creases on his face, and it just kind of looks right, you know? And I think at that point, oh, I'm yeah. like, I, I, I believe you now that you are, like, of age. I believe you now that you are the age that you were pretending to be back in Interview the Vampire. I think he was always meant to play the age that he is in, in like, Tree of Life and in, like, Babel. And Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Uh, Absolutely. Like he's, i right there with you. I, I think that once he figured out that you don't have to do a special voice for every single role, like... At, there was at one point where he got he probably got a script and was like, okay, so what um, accent do I do for this one? And his manager's like, you don't do one for the you just <laughs> just act in it. And he was like, oh shit, I guess okay, yeah, I can try that. And then it like ended up being amazing, right? But once he figured yeah. that out, like everyone started liking Brad Pitt more. I think as an actor, at least, I think so too. But right. the th- see, when, the reason I say I'm being controversial is I get into conversations about certain movies like Snatch. And uh, my European friends are often like, "What are you? Are you kidding? He does a dead-on Tinker impersonation. Like his accent is so spot on." And I'm like, "Sure, but it's so technical that I still just see Brad Pitt doing an accent." Yeah, it's sure. Although it's kind of hard to separate. I think it's also hard to separate. I think he was really good in that one too. I mean, we have a whole podcast about it, but I think also (laughs) it's really hard to take. Um, an actor seriously as an actor when they're so inundated in the press. Yep. It's hard for our brains to separate them. And I think what happened when he started playing those older roles was that he also pulled himself out of the spotlight a little bit. And we were able to be like, okay, this is a person who is a, seri- a professional and not just a hot guy who marries hot girls. Right. <laughs> right. Um, my second question for you, HP, is please tell us and our listeners where you are located in the world right now and tell us everything about it. Oh, I am in Tokyo, Japan. We're in uh, Shinjuku, which is like the center of the city, super metropolitan area. Uh, I sent Michael some, some pictures. I'm like, come visit me. It's, 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 it's crazy. And you live there full time? Yeah. I've um, uh, been here since April. And... Um, and actually, tomorrow I'm leaving for uh, a few weeks because I'm gonna I'm on the board, uh, the film advisory board for the Tallgrass Film Festival in Wichita. So I'm leaving Tokyo to go to Wichita. So yeah, be jealous. What? I didn't know that. That's amazing. Um, it's it's one of my favorite oh. film festivals. So yeah. Yeah, Tallgrass is really cool. That's awesome. So cool, and uh, oh, I, I finally get to see Parasite, Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. Everyone's been talking oh about it. Oh my god! And you guys get to see it. You guys are the only ones that get to see it this weekend. LA is the only yep. city that gets it. And Wichita. But it's like, and New York. Oh. It's so sold out, though. Uh, like, of already. It is. Of course it is. So, and I also, like, I don't love seeing movies in giant audiences. It's, I just prefer, like, I'll wait, like, a week or two so that I can have less people in the crowd with me. Because I don't want to deal with it. But I'm very excited to see Parasite, whatever that day may be. <laughs> the reason why I would be into seeing that with a huge audience is, um, cause I'm kind of like, and you know, you know me, Michael, I'm a, I'm a textbook introvert, you know, like I like, I kind of yes. like one-on-ones, two-on-twos, three-on-threes, but comedies and horror films are the movies I want to hear like thousands of people laughing or screaming. And yeah. Yeah. Parasite's going to be one of those movies. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of excited to see that in a big theater. Cool. Are you making movies in Japan? Hoping to. Um, you know, what's interesting is I think that after Bitter Melon, um, 
Bitter Melon was a step up for me, like in budget and like I guess even technique, because it was a chance to like step forward, um, uh, step toward quote unquote doing things the right way and not doing things so DIY, you know. And totally. uh, it, and it's 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 only a step. And Michael can Mike, Michael can can tell you about that. It was it was it was interesting to like shoot with permits, right? Like it's like oh we're we're doing things <laughs> legally, um, but it was still only a step. And I think the next step for me now is actually managed getting managed you know actually mm-hmm. like whenever i talk to other filmmakers and like other reps and people in agencies and they always like they're always like oh yeah this is your third film this is so cool so um yeah who, who's your rep and i'm like oh i've never been repped and they always like their jaws drop they're like wait you know you need a rep like how did you manage to make three feature films that got distributed and not be repped yeah wild good for you Oh, and I didn't know that. So here's the thing: people have been saying that to me for years, and I didn't know that was a compliment. You know what I mean? <laughs> I thought I thought it, I thought it was a critique, right? You know, you, you can see how you can take it as such, right? Yeah, like people. Yeah, you you think that they're telling you like, "Come on, HP, get with it," but they're really like, "Wow, look at you go!" Yeah, and well, especially if they are managers or reps, and I won't say the name, but do you remember Michael when like that one manager was kind of hounding me and you? And I was, oh, yeah. I was so annoyed. I was like, I, why do I feel like I'm being critiqued every step of the way? Of course, I'm going to be feel critiqued. But of course, in that person's case, that person just wanted a job. You know, like I want to manage <laughs> yeah. you. I'm like, oh, I didn't even. I'm, I'm so dumb. I could have could have been managed. So my my point being, to make a long story short, too late. Um, if I could be managed and find someone who has the right connections, I would love to do a, a, a horror movie here in Japan. That would be great. So fucking fun. That'd be so cool. Um, So, Chelsea, do you want to say anything about 2019 before we start getting into the movie? Well, what's fun about doing current day movies is, one, we're all sitting and living in 2019 right now. But for the sake of this podcast being a time capsule, um, this was... 2019 has been the year of Old Town Road by Little Nas X. And Lizzo. And Lizzo killing it at Billie Eilish also. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. Donald Trump is president. It's a shit show here. Um, He's possibly getting impeached. There's an impeachment inquiry. That's happening um, right now. That's happening right now. That's pretty new information. England is still trying to figure out how to leave the EU, which is fun to watch, and um, <laughs> I, I uh, love to see Brad Pitt in the theaters because, listeners, before we started recording this podcast, we were telling HP that Brad Pitt has morphed over the course of this podcast to being just some guy that we didn't know why we liked him or why he was Brad Pitt, the archetype, to becoming... Everything for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when well, I, I go, think HP HP put it pretty well. Like, what? What were? How did you describe the two different tones? That oh you, yeah, I like you listened to our very first episode, and then like like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, which is like forty episodes apart. Yeah, like your first episode, you guys sounded so irreverent and like in a fun way, not disrespectful. You, 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 right. You mm-hmm. two just sounded like a couple of friends who were like, "Why are we doing this? Like, why even do this?" Uh, like, yeah. like who who even is he? And then like fast forward to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and you guys were like, "Oh, isn't he the best?" <laughs> he's, I he's have everything. to say, <laughs> we've drunk in our own Kool Aid. <laughs> like, well, I love that. To be fair, we are still irreverent and critical of Brad 
in some stuff, like in By the Sea, yeah. which we just did last week. Ah, but like, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like, for me, still top three roles he's ever done. I'm right there with Same. you. Yep. And I have to say, though, bringing it back to my original point, um, walking into a movie theater and seeing my boy Brad on the screen is such a thrill because, you know, we've been watching a Brad Pitt movie every week for 44 weeks now, 44 episodes. So, like, to go into a theater and not be able to take notes and, like, watch him where he wants to be, and I'm just so proud of him. And... <laughs> um and I liked this movie. I liked this movie. Okay, let's talk about our feelings <laughs> yeah. about Are we talking about Once Upon a Time? Oh, oh, Ad Astra. No, Ad, Ad Astra, Astra now. What we're here for, Ad Astra. Brad yes, Astra. Yes, Brad Astra. Um, let's talk about Ollie our initial... Said, Wait, I just want to say, I, oh, I want to say one thing real about, quick. About, I'm what? so glad that Chelsea said that because I, I, as, I'm, as I'm going into this, I'm like, oh, God, who's going to make the Brad Astra joke first? Yeah. <laughs> I told my friend Ollie, who has been a guest on this podcast... I was like, we're doing Ad Astra. And he goes, oh, sad Brad's bad dad? <laughs> and I said, yeah. Yeah. Fair That's enough. about right. That's pretty good. Sad, Brad, ba- sad Brad's bad dad. <laughs> so, HP, what are, your, what are your initial thoughts, HP, on this whole thing? Um, I liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was, um, I, I, I thought it was pretty suspenseful. Um, I, I, I liked that it was willing to go places with um with the story and the philosophy i don't i i thought it was really good i think the movie wanted to be great though it felt a little tampered Mm. with to me Mm. you know Mm. um like it it, i feel like the stuff that it wanted to say required to me it's it's almost like they, they were like let's make a 2001 or let's make a solaris right like let's make a think a thinking person sci-fi so we have to make mm-hmm. it kind of meditative. And I think the problem I had is any chance you had to think, the movie wouldn't let you think. Because, like, so, okay, like, mm-hmm. um, tell me if I'm going too far ahead here. But, like, there's a moment where no, that's okay. Um, where they receive a distress call uh, from a space yeah. station. And the captain is like, well, we're, you know, we're obligated to answer the distress call. What do you think? I think we should board right. Donald. And, of course, it cuts to Donald, the co-captain. And, like, that guy's a really good actor, right? He, he, looks, yeah. he looks at his feet. And then he blinks a lot, and he's like, um, um, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. So that actor just did a really good job of conveying to us exactly how he feels. But you know what it does in the next second? It cuts to Brad Pitt, and his voiceover says, he's scared. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Why is this movie? I totally. Every time there's voiceover, totally. I'm like, we don't need this voiceover. Why are you explaining to me how you feel? I feel the exact same way. I feel like, and I, we've talked about this a lot. I, the idea of having a voiceover in general, like I don't need to hear him talking to himself. And it feels like the movie, you're 100% right, has been folded into this Hollywood ideal. For even the story, like even the fact that we see him get back to planet Earth, it's right. just like, we didn't need that. We already had the journey. It's almost like they put, they like took the magic Hollywood wand and like put the Hollywood fairy dust on it, and it's totally not necessary. Yeah. There, there think, are lots of moments in there where I'm like, oh, this could end right now. 100%. Yeah, I kept thinking that too. I kept thinking like, oh, this is about to end and I think this is a great place to end. And then it just didn't. So, um, yeah, so the, a lot of the, the director, James Gray, uh, directed it and he compared it a lot of times. He compared it to Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now. Oh, it's totally um, Apocalypse um, Now. It is. Yeah. Colonel yeah. Kurtz. Yeah. And I think that's a great comparison because I think that I, 
Honestly, it's my defense to what you just said about the oh, the voiceover. Like, I think that it's the voiceover was like um, to me. I just thought of it as as like this whole thing is about his struggle, and it's yeah. not necessarily us watching him go through this struggle. It's us sort of supposed to feel his struggle, and so he sees these co-pilots who are who are in most scenarios. You're like, okay, you're a fucking spaceship pilot. They're super smart, super confident, solid dudes. And then you see them be scared. And we have to feel the way Brad Pitt does, which is like, oh, God, here we, these, these amateurs, they're scared. And he well, says yeah. it in his mind. That's, how, that's why. It's not because we don't know. Like, we can tell right away that he's scared. He doesn't need to say that they're scared. The point yeah. is for us to see that Brad is catching it and his, his tone of voice lets us know how Brad's feeling. Like, he, not think- only does he see it, but he's annoyed. I think you're right, and I think that's why I didn't walk away from this movie absolutely disgusted by that Hollywood magic. It was just something that I noticed, because I think you're totally right. And I think there's a way and there's a world in which you view this movie strictly as, um, what was the, the captain's name? Brad's character name? Roy McBride. Roy McBride, which is like... What a name. <laughs> what a Hollywood name. Right. <laughs> White man's name. Um, but no, if we think about this whole thing as like his mental health journey, like going to meet his father, confronting his demons, blah, 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 blah. Then in that sense, story totally checks out. And I'm willing to like suffer the on the noseness of the storyline and like all mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah, I'll put up with it. I put up with it yeah. because at least it's okay. So it is it is kind of over explaining things like like, you know. Like my father, was he always mm-hmm. the, the man he is, or am I just seeing it the way it was? You know, it's, it's it's kind of like okay, right. like, right. You know, he- on the nose, daddy issues to the nines, and if it wasn't a good movie, I would fucking hate that. It, you know, that, spot on, right? <laughs> it's like at least, but but the thing that you are overexplaining is still good, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'll totally yeah. take yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. It's like I, but see, that's the, that's the funny thing in Apocalypse Now. It's full of voiceover, but that's not on the nose. You know. Well, no. Yeah, well, because he's talking... It's also totally unique to itself, right? In Apocalypse Now, he's, like, just so insane that his voiceover is, like, almost completely irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't notice it. Here, you notice it. I mean, it's... uh, Reading the reviews, it's been brought up a lot, like, as a negative thing, is is the voiceover. Well, I want to ask you guys about the... the, uh, Can I ask you guys questions, or...? Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, because I was, I, I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, I, I, it's, it's been a while since I saw the movie, so I'm like digging into my brain. But I was reading some reviews ever since, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting when I see like the negative reviews say like, "Oh, it's so slow and boring." And I'm like, "Was it slow? Like, I thought the movie was kind of nonstop. Yeah. Like, there was always something happening." And I, I have to be honest, there were moments where I was like. Can we just breathe for a moment? Like this is like oh, it's, that's interesting. Like there's nonstop music. It's never quiet. I'm like I just wanted to slow down for one moment, you know. So I was surprised to see that a lot of I critics f- said it was slow. I think people call it slow because it's not necessarily. It's like very contemplative. So if you're a contemplative person, you're going to be engaged in what's going on. But I think there's. But I think like a lot of people are uncomfortable with the void of space and the idea of solitude makes people feel like things are slow. Right. I, I would, would. I think maybe. I, That's called. I you think know what so they call too. That? I think they call that horror vacui. It's yeah. a okay. whoa. The, it's Say a, it again. a horror vacui. It's a fear of the void, fear of nothingness, uncomfortability with oh. the idea that there's nothing out there. 
Yeah, and I think That's space is so creepy because of that idea. Then you fucking introduce a rabid monkey into the mix. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that's well, left field. I love that. After I spending that I so much time in the quiet, yeah, I was shocked. After spending so much time in, like, relative quiet and, like, uh, not slow, but, like, sl- like physically slow, as in, like, physically there was a whole yeah. lot actually going on. Um, and then for that crazy, intense violence was, like, it was good. It was fun. Like, I love that shit. That was so great. It made the on the noseness of the storyline be like, oh, haha, filmmakers. Like, like yeah. <laughs> you can still take a little bit of the piss. But, like, when it opens, mm-hmm. it opens, you know, and it says, you know, it has that quote that then gets translated into Ad Astra to the stars. And then we go into space mm-hmm. and then something explodes. And I'm kind of like, oh, this is a very similar opening to Gravity. But Gravity makes you wait, like, 13 minutes before it happens. And, like, for I, I don't know how you feel about Gravity, but that whole opening of Gravity, I was, like, on the edge of my seat, you know? Mm. And in Ad Astra, mm. I was like, it literally, like, an explosion happens literally, like, two minutes after the credits stop. You are launched right into the action. I always appreciate that, though. Like, really? Especially, yeah, I, I don't know why. I thought this movie, in my head, I was like, oh, it's going to be an, a really long one. But it was only two. It was like a beautiful two hours, like nice, quick and easy. He gets in. He gets he starts on Earth. He makes it to Venus. He makes it back. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like it could have taken itself. It's weird because it like on the one hand, it did take itself super seriously. And it's this really intense story. And Brad is like brooding and crying the whole time. And it's like very internal and serious. But also it's like not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It manages to to find like lightness within it all, you know, um, without being like interstellar or something. You know, like it actually manages to be. Uh, yeah. I, and I think part of that has to do with that, the fact that we're, we're always surrounded by characters who are always looking at him like, who is this guy? You know. Well, also, I think part of it has to do with the fact that Brad's character himself, the one who we're supposed to identify with most, is incredibly emotionally disconnected from everything. Yeah. So it's hard to feel strongly in any direction because Brad's character is so just, um, what do you call it? Uh, not disengaged, but, uh, dis, uh, disassociated, disassociated with just everything in his emotions, his friends, his family, everyone's at first, everyone's proud of him for keeping his heartbeat super low. And then you're like, Oh wait, this might be a problem for you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ollie, um, who I talked about earlier today was saying, like, if you think about this as his mental health journey, like the imagery of traveling alone across the solar system and then deciding to fight your way back home as a mental health, like, metaphor of, like, this is the alienation of it and the cutting off of it and, like, the battle that it takes to bring yourself back into society. Right, right. Which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it. I I kind of wanted to go in and just watch Brad and not, try not to think too much while I was watching it. I have, <laughs> like, I can't apply too much. I would honestly, I would see that movie again just for, like, I feel like there is a lot in there that you don't catch on the first watch because it's Absolutely. just... It, because it is, it feels very deliberate, the movie, which I always appreciate. And I think it's sometimes harder to do in a space movie or 
just because in a space movie you have so much to consider that's outside of what's normal for physics and environment and everything. And so you have to consider a ton of stuff, but for them to consider all of that and then also have this entire emotional element that the movie is actually focusing on. It's kind of like, like I would rewatch it so that I can focus on both of the elements better since it's like a lot to take in all at once. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I think it's interesting, just this is just going to be a heavy spoilery episode, but, um, you know, you watch a space movie and you, especially one where they're like looking for extraterrestrial life and like the whole point of the end is like he gets there, he finds his father still alive. And like, that's a nice little safe haven for us as a viewer. And we're like, wow, he made it. And he's like, not in danger anymore. But then you're like, but there's also no extraterrestrial life at all. And that's the whole point of the thing is like, we're actually still fully alone and his whole mission was meaningless. Can and then that, what kind of shit are you supposed to grapple with that? Yes. Well, first let's of talk, all, Michael. Can we talk about, do you guys think that aliens exist somewhere? Intelligent, yes. intelligent, non-human life forms. Um, yes. I, I feel like when it comes to all things, Supernatural, preternatural, anything that it kind of exists beyond the studies of whatever we've been taught in school, I'm agnostic. And I don't want that to sound like I'm ambivalent. What I mean is I kind of lean toward no, but I want to believe, right? Mm -hmm. I just look up at the sky when I'm not in New York City (laughs) and I can see the sky. I look up at the stars and I think of each star being a sun. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be like human beings or – but there is – other living things. There has to be. There just has, to, there be. has to be. Scientifically, I think it's, it's more statistically un. It's more yeah. statistically unlikely than it is. Wait, how am I? How do I say this? Statistically, it is more likely that there are yes. other life forms than yes. there aren't. And I think yes. the, the universe is so big, and we have ourselves identified several planets that could support human life. Not even including um, intelligent life that is not human. So if we can just see, like, with our fucking Earth telescopes, planets that we could live on, like, there are so many more planets that we we personally might not be able to live on, but other life forms might be able to live on, and there's no way we can even see them. So somewhere out there there has to be. Yeah. I think the likelihood of us finding them, Without or destroying our so- society first? Like them coming to that, us and like taking over the, like probably not. But living creatures out in the universe, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, I, I, I put Ad Astra in this list of movies that I call sort of like existential sci-fi horror, you know, movies that kind of mm. like have this idea <laughs> yeah. that like, by the way, we're alone, right? <laughs> like, um, right. like have, you, have, you guys, have you guys seen Mel- Melancholia, the Lars von Trier film? That's like not a yet. total like existential sci-fi horror. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, you, you will die alone. Um, but in, 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 in the case of this here, I feel like, um, yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you guys where I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, the truth is like, how can we, with our limited understanding claim to know everything about the universe? Right. However, we right. do, yeah. however, we do know a lot. Right. And if we believe in life and this is where you guys can push back if this is just like way too cynical, but like there's a, there are, there are these moments where I'm like, well, if. What if we're kind of just traveling from planet to planet because we're like the the solar system or the universe is an organism that is trying its best to survive and we're the virus that keeps spreading? 
Yeah. Oh, I think about that all the time. Absolutely, same. And, we, and we're, like, gonna, oh. we're gonna colonize Mars because we've ruined ruined the Earth, and we'll ruin Mars. <laughs> you know. But we've only ruined Earth for us. Yeah. Earth but, will continue regardless of whether or not we're here, and so will Mars because we are nothing things. Humans are planet cancer. Planet like cancer. If, like other planets feel bad if like oh you got human shit that sucks yeah. man how, how long do you think you have. <laughs> <laughs> no, because human planets are just gonna take over human. Right. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna kill ourselves, and then the planet we will have adjusted this course of the planet, but it's gonna carry on its merry way without us, unless we figure out a way to like fuck with some wavelengths or anything. We're really digressing. I know. Off yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> it's hard not to. It's, I love, it's like I love right it. there in front What's of us. What's a space movie without a space conversation? Um, <laughs> I know. I, I, the movie I kept thinking about while watching this, though, was Interstellar, just because of how far away from Earth they went and how yeah. that feeling of isolation. Um, I felt that a lot in Interstellar, too, and I thought this was similar, but this was much more um, <laughs> like a sadder version. <laughs> yeah. Sadder and much more on the nose. It's like a lot of space movies like get wacky and crazy. This one's like pretty down the middle of like guy has a estranged dad finds out dad's alive goes to find dad finds dad dad's unhappy comes back because he like he realizes realized he life is valuable yeah it's like so I mean if you look at it in that skeleton it makes me want to puke and I hate it but again it speaks to the filmmaking that I didn't want to puke and hate it yeah and the performance too considering and well you know um, well did you guys do any research as to why Natasha Lyonne was in it for like two seconds? Was she supposed to have her bigger role or? No, I didn't see anything about that. I, I, I read that she just really wanted to work on the film. <laughs> she just really wanted to work with James Gray. And she was like, please. Yeah, apparently she was like, I, I think it was literally something like, and I might be making this up, but it was something like she said, like, if, even if it's just like for a couple of seconds. And he literally put her like, in. That I can do. He's like, I have literally yeah, two. I was thinking like they had a <laughs> they had a larger role for her and it got cut because they did make. I didn't get a chance to do too much research, but they did make the way they were able to make this film was by agreeing to the studios that like he would have a happy ending and, he, and he'd make it back to Earth. Like they literally had to make a deal with Hollywood. Right? Well, they reshot. They had to reshoot. So they originally had an $80 million budget, and they shot one ending, and then they showed it to test audiences, and it it went very poorly. What <laughs> so was the ending? They spent, I don't know, but they spent $20 million reshooting it. And, wow. Um, I don't know what the original ending was, but it had a new one that is what we saw in the theaters. So Which is like the one that's like totally on the nose. It's basic. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's, I think it's a good, I'm happy with it because it's just like whole, but I do think that there is room for it to like do something a little bit more edgy and like you totally. made a heart of darkness apocalypse. Now you want to go down in history as an apocalypse. Now then you got to have a strong take. Yeah, totally. Sure. I'd love to see a director's cut then because I, this is a total example of a movie that had high hopes and then bowed down to the studios. Yeah. You know? I so think I'm that's curious what, as to what gray would, I feel bad that I bought this Blu-ray uh, before I got to Tokyo before I could even play it. But I bought the, the, the have you guys done tree of life yet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should listen to that. 
So I, 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 I was okay with Tree of Life, but after we walked out, I was like, hmm, you know, Brad Pitt's performance was really good, but the movie feels tampered with. Like, it feels like there's some odd moments where it's like, why do we only get, like, three seconds of Sean Penn? And then Criterion did the Blu-ray, which is, like, three hours long. And apparently, it's not just an hour added onto the film, but they removed an hour from the original film. So apparently... Yeah, it's they removed his whole storyline. That's crazy. Sean Penn's whole storyline. So, yeah. so I want to see that because I feel like I want to see that untampered version of Tree of Life. And that's how yeah. I feel about Ad Astra. I feel like while I'm watching Ad Astra, besides the voiceover coming on, I'm like, oh, that's the studio doing that, right? Besides that, yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, so we're going down this sort of philosophical rabbit hole and we're seeing him kind of go, we see him kind of going crazy a little bit. And I'm like, this right. is so Heart of Darkness. This is so Apocalypse Now. So mm-hmm. I could totally see this going in a, in a direction where he never finds his father, but he keeps keep, keeping going deeper and deeper. Um, where, 100%. The, where like all of a sudden, like you don't know where it's going, and then the fucking credits roll, right? But then, of course, that would be like such a bummer of an ending. That would be like too yeah. Heart of Darkness, you know? Really bleak. Yeah, yeah. but it's. But but I, I think that would have been fine. They just really didn't want it to be bleak. Yeah. They also cast Liv Tyler as his wife, which I was like, um, I've seen that movie before. It's like, oh, like, did you miss Armageddon? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. <laughs> you know? All we needed was a shot of her with like her hand <laughs> on a snowy screen, you know? Yeah. And, and, and she, she, she even had fewer lines in this. Yeah, so silly. Um, fun little fact that I did read on the IMDb page in a mad rush before this podcast that I loved for my husband, Brad, was while they were shooting the climactic scene, Brad Pitt ended up crying unprompted in character. But the scene takes place in zero G, so Pitt told James Gray that the tear had to be edited and post to float like a bubble off his face. But then Gray said... Oh, no, Brad Pitt said, you have to replace my tear. That's not how it works in Zero Gravity. But then Gray responded, I'm sorry, I'm keeping it. The acting's too good, buddy. And I said, yeah, my boyfriend did a good job. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was great. And I honestly didn't even think about that until I read that quote. Yeah, I thought about it. Wow. Really? I didn't you think about it either. I think about, <laughs> I have this terrible brain where if I see a space movie I'm thinking all the time, where are they peeing? Is it floating? Why isn't everything floating? How is he eating? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't understand how things aren't floating all the time. And I'll always be looking out for it. I, I, you know what I really loved in, in Zero G was watching them fight. That, that scene where the crew was told to like neutralize oh, yeah. him and they all like attacked him. But it was a really slow attack oh, because it yeah. was in Zero G. And just like super messy and sloppy. And like so much of the fight was small mistakes. I mean, James Gray says like off the bat that he wanted to make a movie that was as close to what it's really like to travel in space. Right. Mm. And I think that that fight is a great example of that because he only, I think Brad only really attacked one of them. If I remember correctly, the other two basically died because they made dumb mistakes. Yeah. 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 And it's like such a small thing can lead to straight up death very quickly. And I think what was so successful about the way it was filmed, like, I mean, you could tell it was obviously storyboarded this way. Like when he says, when when I read Uh that he wanted it to feel like what it would be like to be in space, I didn't really know what that meant. I'm like, well, isn't every sci-fi director trying to make an accurate representation? But no, George Lucas, not really. Right. But then you watch this movie. Maybe not in this dimension. Right. (laughs) But in, in so okay, for example, that scene you're talking about, that fight scene. Um, yeah, 
you don't know which way is up. Like the shots are always kind of rotating. So you never sure. you never really yeah. know where people's feet are supposed to be, right? Because in one shot where that woman, there's that there's that black woman, her feet are like up against this this wall and you think she's standing on the wall. And then when it cuts to the reverse shot, it looks like she's standing on the ground, but that is the wall. It's like, oh, that's not a wall. That's the ground. And then when she flies and hits her head, it's like, no, that's the ground. She fell. Or did she fly up? You know what I mean? It's like, did she fall and hit her head on the ground or did she shoot up and hit the ceiling? It's like the the movie's really clever that way. It's like it never tells you which way is up. And it's disorienting. It sort of breaks the, yeah, it, it breaks the like filmmaking rules of the, the imaginary lines that you're not supposed to cross because it's disorienting. And the weird thing is I didn't even think about that during those scenes because I just, in my head, I was like thinking like, Oh, it's space. Like there is no real correct orientation. Everything is fair game. And even in, I was watching this interview just right before we did this between Brad and one of the guys in the space station. Um, whose name was, I forget what his name is, uh, Nick something. Um, he's a real astronaut, and uh, Brad was interviewing him in the space station. And the guy was sitting, but he, like, like would occasionally, like, grab something and, like, turn his body a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> and, like, I know the scene, yeah. he's, he's in space. He's, like, really in space, and he's just, like, sideways now. But it's not sideways. The camera is just not moving, but he is because he's, like, floating in space yeah, i just think cool. that's wild wait that guy's a real astronaut he's a real astronaut well in no no no. it's like a, a promotional thing brad pitt is on earth at nasa and he's doing a live interview oh. with an actual astronaut at the iss space station um is that iss space station international is ISS part of? space station so it's just ISS. The iss anyway um yeah, I know i just realized <laughs> that as i said it michael it share that matter. link on our instagram because it's pretty cool it is pretty cool. And one of the, just like a fun little fact, one of the things that Brad asked him, um, aside from like how realistic it was, they, he said it was, you did a great job. It was very realistic. And then Brad said, who's more believable, George Clooney in Gravity or me in this? And the, the astronaut <laughs> said that Brad was more convincing. Hands so. down. And by the way, I'm a George Clooney fan, but he's hands down way more convincing. Yeah. Yeah. I also, also just love that Brad would ask because him and George Clooney have such a fun rapport. I know, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, another little random fact is that Brad Pitt is the eighth cast member from the Ocean series to appear in an outer space movie. Oh, yeah. Matt Damon in The Martian, which <laughs> Matt was also Damon in The Martian, Don Cheadle in Mission to Mars, Sandra Bullock in Gravity, um, Casey Affleck in Interstellar, in George Clooney in Solaris. Okay, so there, like, there has to be like an Ocean's 14 out in space then. There basically already was. <laughs> yeah, you could you can cut um, all those movies together and make it. Someone yeah, should someone should definitely just it. edit, like watch all the movies and, <laughs> and cut out all the scenes from each character, and then like make it look like they're in a movie together. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh no, HP's gonna do it. I can I see know, it. In his I, eyes I, just I, Michael knows that it. I love doing stuff like this. Like I, I, I might. Please do that. I might. <laughs> that would be so funny. That'd be great. Um, um, what else is let's there? Let's talk about Budge actually, because I know we already got on. I guess this it's subject. kind of that time. We're going to definitely take forever to do this, so I might as well. Um, okay. Wait, I the, have a question for you, really quick, before you dive oh, into this. Okay. What? Budge, th- this was. It took. A long time to get this movie made, right? 
Yeah, like he was like fighting for it for a long time. Since 2016. Oh, that's not that long. I thought it was like <laughs> they, they wanted to make it in 2004, and it just. Oh no, no, not that long. I mean, three years. I think it it only started to it started filming in I think like 2017. I want to say 2017. 2017. Yeah. It just took a long time to like get everyone going for it because he once he announced Brad Pitt, then everything started to fall into place, but. The movie itself, James Gunn announcing it, it just I think it took a while to get going. But before we get into this though, HP, is there any other um is there anything else that you wanna like point out or talk about plot regarding like plot or story or like theories or hot takes or anything like that? Um, I, I don't know if I have any hot takes on this except <laughs> um that um like I follow a lot of uh critics on Twitter and um you know, I purposely muted anything that had to do with Ad Astra before I saw it. And so when I unmuted, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised to see a lot of critics, like a lot of critics saying, yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Um, the philosophy kind of sucks in the movie. You know, the philosophy is kind of like a little too obvious. Like we all know this stuff. Um, so, you know, we, we don't need any more of this. But at least the movie is a good action film. And the funny thing about that to me um, is... Whenever I see a review like that, it kind of feels like, no, you're mm-hmm. just kind of grandstanding to show that you actually get it, you know? Yeah, you're bored. Right. right. You know? it at all. And so, yeah. the, and, and so I can't help but think, um, I'm, I, and I'm, this is not me trying to go full circle, but I, I, I literally was just thinking about this ever since I read those reviews. When 12 Monkeys came out, um, so many critics were like, we get it. We're on the brink of destruction. Like, you know, you don't need to, like, bash us over the head with your message. And the funny thing is I can see, so, you know, I was a teenager when I saw 12 Monkeys and, um, and, I, and I loved it and I saw it again like well after college and it had like a total, like, it, the ending had a totally different meaning to me. And what was so totally. great, what I loved about that was that I think I'd matured because when I was a teenager, I was like, whatever, I know everything, you know? You're not telling me anything. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get life, and that's a cliche. You're just you're just telling me stuff that every adult's ever ever, uh, ever told me. And then as an adult, I'm watching it. I'm like, but these things kind of exist for a reason, and this actually means something to me now that that, that I'm an adult. And the funny thing is, in Twelve Monkeys, they're watching Vertigo, and um, they're in the movie theater, and the Bruce Willis character says, um, "Wait, this movie changes every time I watch it." it means something different every time I watch this. And I'm like, how funny that I'm watching that scene as I'm thinking that 12 Monkeys changes. Now, so fast forward to Ad Astra, I'm reading the same kind of reviews. It's like, yeah, the philosophy is a bit like on the nose. And I'm like, no, the philosophy is not on the nose. The execution is. Well, what, what are mm. we talking about when we're talking about philosophy? Like, what is the philosophy that they're talking about? Um, like, what well, I mean, you know, but, I mean, the, the truth is, like, it, as you watch it, you realize that, it, you know, Ad Astra is trying to, or, or it does want to be that philosophical sci-fi, right? Like, like Interstellar or like Solaris. But, like, the philosophies that they're calling out, these critics are calling out, is like, okay, daddy issue movie. And... Got it. Okay, mm. so not one particular thing, but a sweeping ideological thing. Right, and I and um, and, and the idea that, like, you know... You can't shut yourself off to your emotions, otherwise that's because because that would be true loneliness, right? Like true alienation right. isn't right. about being in space; it's about having no emotions at all. And if you allow yourself to feel, then you can actually maybe smile, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, when you say it that way, it does feel like ugh, like you, you get this like chill up your spine. And then, I, but I also kind of have to ask, like, 
what is it that makes you get that chill up your spine? You know what I mean? Like, like these critics are just kind mm-hmm. of like, so, <laughs> like, I feel like whenever I was reading these, these reviews, they're like, so, you think you're so smart? I already knew that. And part of me is like, well, then maybe the movie wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like so, even if it is making those philosophical points it's like so what it is right like it's like you should have that, known that doesn't that, take like, away from that's the movie that has been made right like that's enjoy what it, it is. for what it is and enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the story that it's telling exactly yes. exactly and there's a, those are boring ass reviews i know but these are like you know these are like top critics on rotten tomatoes and i'm like you know this is more this review and then you, you, i can't help but like go down a rabbit hole and read all the reviews i'm like all of your reviews are really about you <laughs> You know, I know I get so annoyed because there's a few movie reviewers who I will pay attention to their stuff only only because I don't like them. (laughs) And because when I watch a movie and I feel a certain way about it or I even if I haven't seen the movie and I'm like, well, let's see what this dumb fuck says about it, because then I'll know I'll know what like the popular film community or like the popular critics think of something and I'll know. I'll be like, okay, so if this guy liked it, then there's like an 80% chance I will and like a strong 20 that I won't. <laughs> right. You know, I don't know. It's, I just think it's so funny that, that there is totally that group of people who just reviews things just to suck their own dick. Right. Me, meanwhile, I think I, I also have a handful of critics who I follow because I'm like, if he, if he or she hates it, I'll probably love it. You know, oh, yeah, there's yeah. some critics I'm like, oh, they have such bad taste. I'm going to follow them on Twitter. I know. Yeah, it's funny. I love That's why too. we do. We read EW every week on the podcast, which is now sort of come. It's like part of what we do every to. week. But it was we started that because every review we read was like the exact opposite of how we felt for the first maybe five <laughs> or six movies. And now we're like we become more and more aligned. And also the reviews just by the nature of like, I think maybe having the Internet around reviews aren't as in depth as they used to be. Right. Um. And so we use EW as our like fully our litmus for all the other reviews every yeah. time, and that was based on the fact that we didn't agree with them ever for a long time. And what yeah. was EW's take on Ad Astra? They gave it a B plus. That sounds fair. Um, yeah, saying that. Um, yeah, I have to pull it up. It was pretty like, this is what it's about. It was a pretty boring review. That's what I'm saying. They used to go really, really in-depth. Now they were like, we like they it. They used the to have really funny quotes. The cinematography in this movie, this is not an EW take. This is a Chelsea take, was really great. The music was really great. The, the world great. they created for me was really great. Like We haven't really talked about the actual like filmmaking aspect of it. But I think that won, for me, a lot of points. And should I just go into all the critic, the general Yeah, do it. We're, we're there. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, which is one we obviously go, we talk about every weekend, has an approval rating of 83% based on 336 reviews. That gives it a 7.6 out of 10. Um, the website's critical consensus reads that Ad Astra takes a visually thrilling journey through the vast reaches of space while charting an ambitious course for the heart and the bond between parent and child. Um, Metacritic, which uses a weighted average, gives a score an eighty out of ten based on fifty six credit based on fifty six critics. Um, Cinema score gives it a grade of B minus. That's weird. Why so low? Um, let's see. Why so low? 
Whatever. Some people are going to rate it low just because they want to be contrarians. Well, a lot of the low ratings are like, like you were saying, HP, um, that it's slow, obtuse, little emotional connection, two on the nose, like richly imagines practical and interpersonal aspects of settlement on the moon and beyond. The insights on human nature are simplistic level of pop psychology. So like the world is good, but it's like the philosophy is obvious. And it's like, like we were saying earlier, like, so the fuck what? He made yeah, this movie. Know, movie. Uh, see, see, the movie uh, was made. I just kind of feel like movies like this, I, again, I can go, I can go ahead and bash it for being like, you know, like two voiceover heavy or whatever. Right. But then I, if I stop and say, but say, but what are they saying? It's pretty cool. And I, I can't imagine being that kid in class who's like always raising his hand and saying like, why are you saying that? I already know. Like totally disregarding the rest of the class. Right. Like may, for all I know, maybe the kid who's like right behind me had never heard it before. You know, it's kind of like, um, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times when you have these movies that are anti-racist, like a lot of movies that are kind of about race or racism, and there's always going to be that critic that's like, yeah, we know racism is bad. I'm like, you know, not everyone knows that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's still around. Yeah. So apparently the right. message is not all the way out there yet. Exactly. Right. So I just, I just kind of feel like, go ahead and preach that and let, let everyone know how not racist you are. That's great. But can we get back to talking about the movie? You know? Yeah. 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 It's an interesting thing having become essentially critics of a very specific Brad Pitt genre, but like we are, we've become critics. We've, we have now, this is our 44th movie review for him. Wow. And Congratulations, I think, you guys. I think, <laughs> thanks. I well, think we, I don't know if we should be celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a weird thing, but, um, I feel like a lot of the times I want to say, I don't like this movie because of the philosophy, but I think that that's just too fucking easy. And I don't like the movie because I don't like the movie. Like there's the core of going to see a movie with how it makes you feel right. Forget about everything in your brain. Forget about the fact that all three of us on talking right now are filmmakers. And so we know what goes into making films, but like, how does it make you feel? Did you enjoy yourself for the two hours you were watching it? Yes. That's the bottom yes, line. Yes, I did. No matter what, that is the bottom line. And I actually, yeah. unrelated, I'm struggling with that with the Joker, the movie Joker right now, because mm. I just watched it. For, I watched it for the first time last night, and like without revealing too much. Chelsea, have you seen it? No, and I'm not going to. Why? I don't see superhero movies. Oh my god! I know I it's not a superhero that. movie. I don't do it. We believe me. I get into an argument every day. I'm not going to watch it. I'm sure it's great. My boyfriend today was That's like, fine. "But what if it's the best movie ever?" And I was like, "Then I won't see the best movie ever. Like, there's a hundred thousand <laughs> best movie ever's." Oh my god! Okay, so you made your point, Chelsea's. <laughs> oh my god! I cannot with you. I there's a there's a rage in me right now that I'm not going to get into, but it's everybody fine. Everybody has the rage. I everybody has the rage. It's like I'm a vegan <laughs> at a pig farm. My, my point is, my point is, I'm struggling with the Joker right now because I was sitting through the whole movie and I like actually really enjoyed watching the movie. And then like, Great. but afterward, all I could think about was like all of the fucking white dudes who yeah. are like assholes who are just like, oh, the world doesn't understand me. The Joker explains perfectly how the world doesn't understand me. And I'm actually a really smart dude, but nobody gets it. And I deserve like all this shit because that's because I am special. And it's like, I just can't help thinking about all of the people who this movie is going to speak to or whatever in a positive way, even though I sat there and I enjoyed it. I haven't seen it. 
I think if you enjoyed it, it's okay for you to say I enjoyed this movie. I was entertaining as a movie, but I have these thoughts on it, and that's okay. And I also think that this movie was made, that movie was made particularly by Hollywood, and I, to incite that feeling in you, and it pisses me off. This is not a joke. Well, now we're digressing. I'll um, digress. I got into a full-on, like, argument at a dinner party that I hosted the other day about this movie. <laughs> and I've never seen it, and I'm never going to see it, so I should just shut the fuck up. But I, so, so for me, and I, I, I do want to see it, I, I personally have become one of those people that's just like, oh, kind of, have we not seen enough from, like, the Gotham universe? Not even, like, the superhero, superhero universe, but I'm like, we've had, like, ten Jokers in the past ten years, right? Um, I know, it's so stupid. But I do want to see it because it kind of references a lot of like my favorite movies. Like Taxi Driver is one of my favorite movies. Uh, the King of Comedy is one of my favorite movies. And like this movie looks like The King of Comedy meets Taxi Driver. Um, but I also do think that I, uh, I, 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 some of my favorite movies are made by people I would never want to be friends with. <laughs> you know, some of my favorite movies. Of course. Mo- you know, like I, I think Lars von Trier is a piece of shit person, you know. Um, but same with Tarantino, you know, uh, uh, right. Oh my like, God. I don't That's, want to meet this, him. This is across all art, right? Across all art. You know, it's a big conversation. I have all the time is Michael fucking Jackson. Best musician ever in the history of music. His music is uncomparably great. Right. Mm-hmm. But he liked to have sex with children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what do we One do with that? What the fuck do we do that. with that? Yeah. We got to <laughs> grapple with it, but we can still say that he made great art. And we can still enjoy the art he made. Maybe. I don't know. This is a way bigger conversation. Michael, how much did it cost to make this movie? Yeah, I was just going to say, you want to hear? Well, like I said before, it originally had an $80 million budget. They ended up doing some reshoots, and they it's just said all I saw was that they went over $100,000. I don't know how far over, but I can't imagine that far. Um, So around $100,000, I think, is where they landed. Was it shot in a studio? Yeah, it was shot in Santa Clarita, California, in a studio. Um, it's opening weekend. Oh, for, oh, by the way, just a little fun fact. Um, on its opening weekend, when it had its premiere in Hollywood, it premiered at the Cinerama Dome um, in Hollywood, and Brad Pitt got there early so that he could talk to every single reporter who was there. And he did. He, he went and he oh. talked to every single one. I love and him so much. We he, haven't even talked about what's going on with Brad in 2019, and we will we next episode. Did. We did no, before. No, because, you guys, he's really struggling. He's sober for the first time. He still hasn't finalized his divorce. We just, he's doing fine. Michael, maybe we, we need we to like, do a non-movie pit podcast and just catch up on where he is I don't, right now. Because I don't think we do. Him. I think we. I think he's <laughs> okay. fine. Okay, fine. Carry um, on, carry on. Okay, sorry. My point <laughs> is that he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. His opening weekend, it, it opened at number two behind Downton Abbey. Yep. And, yep. and it made $19 million, um, which is pretty fucking good for number okay. two. Okay. Yeah, um, it made its For reference, Downton then. Abbey made 31. Um, its total domestic gross so far, and it is still in theaters, but its total domestic mm-hmm. gross was $47 million, um, And its total worldwide uh, was $120 million. So it did make its money back, and it will continue to do more money making because it's still in theaters. When I saw it, I think I saw it the second weekend it was out, and it was packed house. Packed, packed, packed. It was number two, two weekends in a row. Was it packed so, for you, Michael? Fucking Downton Abbey beats Brad Astra? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was still packed for me. I went, I went last weekend, 
And it was, at that point, it had been out for a while, and it was still very packed. And it was in a huge theater. I was at the Arclight. Not the Cinerama, but at the Arclight. And it was huge. Still packed. Crazy. Yeah. Chelsea, oh, and I, I, still packed. I was texting Michael um, when I got to the theater because I was like, ah. Oh. Because the, the, the one thing I'm struggling with here in Tokyo is that we get a lot of films really late. Like, we just got blind spotting. That movie hit iTunes like a year and a half ago, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's because it's, it's, it's a smaller indie film. But, of course, films like Toy yeah. Story 4 and Marvel movies are going to come here on the day, right? And same with Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. I was really happy that Ad Astra, I texted Michael. I was like, it's going to be here on the day. So I went on the day. Studio films. Exactly. Like your A24 isn't going to make it to you. Your Paramounts, which this is a Paramount production, right? This is, I think so. Or Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'm actually not biggies. sure. It's, it's, it's a big one. Um, um, and we got it, right? But I was yeah. also yeah. kind of floored by how I, I'm learning a lot about Japanese audiences, too. You know? Oh, I bet. Like, um, pe- oh, interesting. So, like, um, just flashback a couple weeks before I went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Mark, my husband. And, um, People were like dressed up, you know, like, <laughs> like it's like, it's kind of like you see that in San Francisco, like when people go see like, you know, a, like a really like popular sci-fi like Star Wars, right? They'll go in like cosplay mm-hmm. or like if, 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 if they're like re-releasing the Matrix, they'll like dress all like, you know, in black and trench coats, right? Uh, uh, drenched coats, sorry. And, and you wouldn't expect to see that for like Ad Astra, right? Um, yeah, not really. They kind of were. And so I was taking pictures from, from Michael. I love that. And they were literally, like, there was there were just posters everywhere in Japanese, like Brad's huge face plastered in the wall, and there were all these people taking selfies with it. And Oh, my God. Get Steal one and bring one for us when you come to Wichita. I would kill for a Japanese Ad Astra poster. <laughs> you know what? The Japanese Ad Astra poster is pretty, pretty dope, I have to say. It looks really good. But, okay, so. Japanese have better movie posters in general. Everyone does than better than the American one. But get this, so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so obviously Ad Astra is a big thing here. Downton yeah. Abbey's not beating Ad Astra here. But then I looked, I turned my head, and there's an even longer line of like people dressed up in Victorian garb, dressed up for oh Downton God. Abbey. And I'm like, oh, okay, Maggie Smith wins again. Maggie Smith, damn you, Maggie Smith. <laughs> um, I do. Let's don't do our ratings. Wrong, I love- Downton Abbey, but I don't know if I needed a movie. And also, there's a new um, fucking what's his name? Blue Crystal Meth. Oh, El Camino, the Breaking uh, Bad. Oh, movie. yeah, there's a Breaking Bad movie. Yeah, I already watched it. It's okay. Let's not get into that though. Let's um, let's talk about our ratings because we're running out of time. Um, Chelsea, what do you rate this Brad Pitt performance? Okay, I think he did a really, really stellar and i use that word very heavily job job <laughs> okay <laughs> he so he was brooding in a way he's never brooded i think he i just really think that he's like sat in that role and it was comfortable um so i'm going to give him a a 9 Okay. Um, HP, what would you like to give Brad's performance overall out of 10? Um, I'm there with Chelsea, and I think for me it's like a historical one because I'm sitting there and I'm watching him larger than life, but in like extreme close-up, and I'm like, oh, look, you're feeling like the weight of existence and the weight of life, but I believe you now because you're actually the age where you would Yeah. Be Couldn't have said yeah, it better myself. Finally. 
You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, he, but he, but here's the thing: he's played those exact emotions before in other films, and he just, to me, just felt like a young guy pretending to be sad. And I actually forgot he was acting in a few moments here. Like, it's I shouldn't say in a few moments. For the most part, I really believe that he was Roy McBride, and that that hmm, to me kind of felt like, good. oh, he 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 seems wise and troubled. Um, and I do feel like there was one moment where there was a chance for him to like really chew up the scenery, and he still was subtle about it. You know, the scene I'm talking about where like. He loses it, you know, and uh, he's like, "That's my dad. What did you, you you heard back from my dad?" And I was scared. Like once he once his voice started getting a little bit higher and louder, I thought it might be another moment moment of like, "What's in the box?" And it really wasn't, you know. Again, early on in his career, let's separate old from new. <laughs> no, but again, it's just like that's like real grief now, right? And I think that. Um, yeah. And and I know we all, I think all three of us agreed that, like, by the end, of, we would have been happy if we didn't see the full completion of the story. Like, we didn't really need it. But at the same time, yeah. Yeah, at the same time, it was really nice to finally see that smile. You know? It's, yeah. like, uh, it's like, oh, you know what? That is a damn good performance because that smile is earned. And what a beautiful smile it is, might I say. Yeah, a lovely smile. I just really feel like, like, because I was never really that attracted to him, but like, I, I think he's better looking now. You know, he, he actually. Oh, he same. is getting a thousand percent. I mean, I've always been attracted to him, but I, he just, the more oh, he no, ages, the more. Oh no, you really set more... Chelsea off. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'll reel it in. We're, 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 okay, 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 okay. Fine, Michael, tell me, tell me, tell me. Wait, wait, HP, what's your number? Uh, I'm gonna say nine out of ten. Oh. Nine. Ooh. I'm gonna say eight point five. And here's okay. why. I think it was a good performance, but like we were saying before, when Brad Pitt is acting, I don't want to say like yourself because, or like himself because like it's hard to act like yourself, but I think that when he's acting in a way that is closer to an experience that he can relate to or an attitude that he can relate to, he always does better. And I think playing an astronaut whose dad has gone away is not necessarily an experience that Brad can relate to, especially also someone who is emotionally disconnected from everything that I don't think that's something that Brad really is as, as a person. And so when he's acting like that, to me, it really felt like acting. Um, and it, there was a little bit, it uh, sometimes it just felt like he was really trying hard to act and he did a good job of acting but I was never not aware of him acting. Does that make sense? So I never was able to get lost in his character like the way I was with like so many of his other roles where I just felt like it was really something that he kind of casually, or not casually, but like more um, seamlessly became part of. Um, and so I'm talking a little bit, like that half point, because I think it was a great performance overall. There's just like, it just wasn't quite all the way for me. So eight and a half. Which is still pretty high. Okay. It's very high, yeah. and it's yeah, and, and, it, high. and it's fair, you know, being that he's Brad yeah. Pitt, you know, <laughs> like his, yeah. he's inescapably Brad Pitt. Because I'm I'm right there with you. I'm like, wow, he's so good for Brad Pitt, you know. <laughs> I'm in the theater thinking, like, wow, he's so good for who he is, and that's a weird thing to say. I don't mean like, oh, he's so good for a bad actor. I just mean like he's so good for the fact that I know so much about his life. Yes, well, and that's the exactly. uh, that is one of the fundamental reasons why we started this podcast, and when we. And even at the top of this one, it's like, who is this guy? Like, why do why is this national obsession with him? And it's it is so, hard to separate that. So when it is separated, it's very powerful. Chelsea or HP, what do you rate his looks? Um, oh, 
Okay, so this is hard. This is my, this might be a little hard for me to even separate because I'd seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right before, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, which do you prefer? The Once Upon a Time one, like the, the retro one, hundred like, percent. Just like, it, oh yeah, it, and it felt like him. It, it was so truly him. And he took his shirt off in it, so there was that. But and I think what I was, what I was kind of struggling with, and maybe this is a good struggle, right? But what I was kind of struggling with in Ad Astra is. He looked like his hairstyle and just like what he, the way he 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 carried himself. He looked like he was kind of playing like the Brad Pitt of the past, right? Because he had like that look. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked it because he's weathered and wise now. And I'm and there's a moment where I'm like, oh, I get it now. You know, like I see him and I'm like, oh, that's the look he had in whatever film from 1998, or that's the look he had in that film from 2000. Um, and I get it now. But at the same time, I'm like, he's, you know, he, he's not the Brad from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I, 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 I kind of feel like even though I, you know, I do think he looks better with age, he's still in Ad Astra. I just look like Brad Pitt to me. Just, just, just physically. Yes. Just physically. I agree. I agree. So what do you give him? Seven. I think that's about where I am, too. I, I think his, his hair was pretty average. It was just like he just looked like basic Brad Pitt. I'll give him seven and a half because I think basic Brad Pitt's pretty good. Yeah. But um, I wasn't really, I wasn't, I was never like sliding around in my seat or anything like that. Like he was just looked like Brad Pitt. Sliding around in your seat. <laughs> what are you looking to achieve I, by doing that, Michael? <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt, I was, I could not sit still during a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was, <laughs> it was like sitting in zero gravity. That's what it was like. <laughs> Chelsea, where do you where do you feel for him? I thought he looked really, really good. Okay, that's fair. I thought he looked, but I always liked him like Tree of Life. It was a similar look to Tree of Life, the close cut hair and elderly and a little bit <sighs> damaged mentally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To pick between Once Upon a Time and this one. I mean, it's I would, could almost marry fuck kill this. Like, I would definitely fuck the Once Upon a Time Brad. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but I'd also fuck the. <sighs> it's like you wouldn't with that. I don't know. At Astra, I, he's no Brad, he's not bad looking. There's only one Brad I wouldn't fuck, and that was the By the Sea Brad, which we just did last week. Ugh, yeah, piece of shit. Wait, but <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> you didn't even name what you what number you give for this look. Uh, I'm sliding off my seat just thinking about it. <laughs> okay, so nine? I'm going to give him an eight. Eight. Oh, okay. He's been hot. He's been way fucking hotter, let He's me been tell you. consistently very attractive for a very long time, especially these yeah. last ten years. But very, yeah. very yeah. He's one of the only really white men crazy. who looks good older. Right? Yeah, it's sh- it's amazing. I want to see him do um, some stunt, uh, like st- appearance stunt level Hollywood stuff, where like, you know, like how like Charlize Theron gets called brave for like not wearing makeup. You know, I want to see um, Brad Pitt like gain sixty pounds for a role and like grow a beard. Uh, and, like, yeah, how I would, would that look? That. I would right. You know, I would love that. I'd be like, okay, like a hunky Brad. You know what I mean? It's just like let's see, so let's, let's see bare Brad. Yeah, into it. Um, okay, lastly, movie overall. Uh, Chelsea, what are you what are you giving it? Um seven. Seven seven. 
I'm okay. not comfortable at seven. I feel like I, I really feel like we were we missed out a lot in this podcast about not and just not talking about like the sheer filmmaking of it. I really liked the music. I really liked the way that it looked. I liked all the worlds. I loved the Moon Pirates. I, I love like pirates. the Moon Pirates. That's like a, such a cool idea. Like those like well thought out worlds that were we just touched on them, but they were there. And I and I really liked the world that we were in. Um, I think the Hollywood wand though brought it brought it down to a seven for me. Mm, okay, HP. Uh, I'm right there because I, I, I I'm going to give it. Um, I want to give it an eight, but I I I am. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to echo an ad. I'm going to echo what Chelsea said. Uh, because basically, <laughs> okay. I do think there was a lot of really, really, like, fantastic filmmaking behind it. You know, like, there's a lot of thought put into the compositions, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, again, yeah. it's just like, like, when you are grounded, let's keep the audience grounded, right? Like, on the moon, yeah, the whole moon pirate thing, it was just, like, a really, really cool... Like, like, like I didn't think I was going to be seeing a car chase on the moon. It's insane. And it was really yeah. cool. It felt really action-packed. And then once we, like, start launching into space, you feel like you're floating. And, like, and there was a, a lot of thought was put into this. A lot of thought was put yeah. into the music because the music felt, like, super, like, retro-futurist, right? Like, it felt like there were certain moments that felt like, okay, this, oh, that's, like, the boards of Canada or whatever. It, sound, it sounds like 70s sci-fi. And, and a lot of thought went into it. And then that – and I just can't help but feel like every time it feels slightly dumb, I'm like, that's not James Gray doing that. This really feels like – this is not a pure experience, you know, um, and that's why I'm not going to give it an eight. So, I'm gonna, but I think seven's fair because it's not. It doesn't make it bad. It's still a good movie. It's just not as great as I think it was aiming to be. Yeah, that's fair. I agree. Where are you at, well, Michael? I'm going to give it an eight. Um, oh, I thought you were going to go lower than that. What a thrill! No, I'm going with eight because, like, although I do agree with all that stuff, and like, there, I probably think it could have been something more profound and better in a lot of ways. I was like, I enjoyed myself the entire time I had. I loved the whole movie. I I didn't feel, I get why people say it's slow, but I feel like that's such a broad term totally to describe a movie. Yeah. And I think in the way that people like try to talk down about the movie and call it slow, I liked that. I liked the like slowness that everyone's talking about. I think it was a good, tactic to get the story across and to make it feel isolated and to make it feel very personal. And Mm. I think that in a weird way, I feel like the movie kind of carried Brad. Like that's why I gave him a little bit of a lower score because I feel like the movie, it felt a little bit like the movie was happening to him as opposed to a movie where this character is like leading and carrying the movie. It's, it felt a lot like the movie was happening and Brad was just kind of a, bystander to it um it's the movie's world and brad's just in it yeah (laughs) but i enjoyed it still i really had i enjoyed the whole thing so i think i'm giving i'm rating the movie higher oh no i'm rating the movie (laughs) lower than brad but i like the movie a lot i'm giving it an eight so do you think that he's going to be nominated for an academy award oh that's a great question people are talking about it people are saying he's carried this whole movie he's never won one blah 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 i think he might get nominated i can see that i i can't he won't win yeah i don't think he'll win but I think he'll, but he'll be nominated. Get nominated. Cool. Um, he might win a globe. Um, uh, <laughs> I think he'll be nominated. Globe home or globe. He'll be nominated for best actor for the Ad Astra. And, and, and it might be one of those like record years where he also gets nominated for best supporting actor for once upon a time in Hollywood. 
I hope so, right. but I don't Ugh, think so. I'd love that. But I, no, think, I, I don't think I, he's going to totally win either so. of them. No, no, I don't think so either. Oh, what a dream where... He's not gonna win. He's not gonna win an award until his looks really start to fade. You know what I mean? Like, and he stops giving a fuck. I mean, he's pretty close right now. He's close to not giving a fuck. Still, he still has really marketable looks. And as long as it looks like he can still make tons and tons of money for the studios, the Academy is not gonna give him the award just yet. You know what I mean? Because he's, you know what I mean? Right. He's he's so he's so contemporary and still makes lots of money. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah. Um. Okay, we are over our time allotment, but this has been such a joy, HP. Yeah, Thank you truly. for joining us all the way from Japan. Tokyo. Thank I you. Super. You should. I like. You know, honestly, it's been awesome. Like, I've had like a different friend visit almost every week, like since April. Oh, that's so cool. And it's so cool because like I get to do all the touristy stuff. So it's like I'll. It's like, and it's not all out of my system yet because this is like the biggest city I've ever been in, and I lived in New York. Like, this is like ten times New York. And like every wow. every friend that has come, I'm just like, let's do something different. And I, I'm still not done. Like this bucket list is like two pages long. But yeah, if oh, you guys come, so cool. if you guys come, awesome. let me know. All right, we will. Don't tempt me. I'll, We're coming. I'll fucking go. <laughs> Maybe we'll come for award season, and we can like live. We can do a live update updating. Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome! Fun. Yeah, with like Tokyo in the background. Then oh again. wait. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Then this again. is not. Yeah. The time difference may not be good for us. Anyway, HP, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thus concludes our episode of Ad Astra starring Brad Pitt and Natasha Leone. <laughs> <laughs> and tune in next week for, I think, uh, The Big Short. It's The Big Short. Yay. Yeah. That's a great movie. Okay. All right. Peace and blessings. Bye, Love guys. you. Thanks, guys. Peace and blessings. Bye.